Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. We hope you enjoy this message. Psalm chapter 69, verse number 1 through to 4. God, my God, come and save me. These floods of trouble have risen higher and higher. The water is up to my neck. I'm sinking into the mud with no place to stand. And I'm about to drown in this storm. I'm weary, exhausted with weeping. My thought is dry. My voice is gone. My eyes are swollen with sorrow. And I'm waiting for you, God, to come through for me. I can't even count all those who hate me for no reason. Many influential men want me silenced, yet I've done nothing against them. Must I restore what I never took away? I'll read from Psalm 72, verse 15 to 19. Long live this king. May the wealth of the world be laid before him. May there be ceaseless praise and prayer, prayer to him. May all blessing be brought to him. Bless us with a bountiful harvest, with gold and gray swaying, grain swaying on the mountain fields. May the cities be full of praising people, fruitful and filled, so that his name may be honored forever. May the fame of his name spring forth. May it shine on like the sunshine. In him all will be blessed to bless others. And may all the people bless the one who blessed them. Praise forever, Jehovah God, the God of Israel. He is the one and only God of wonders, surpassing every expectation. The blazing glory of his name will be praised forever. May all earth overflowing his glory. Faithful is our King. Amen. The title of my message is Turn It Around. Let's just pray. Jesus, let the message be clear. Let it give you glory. Let it further your kingdom. In your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Why don't you take a seat? Thank you, Clinton and Sonaliso. And thank you, worship team. Two scriptures, both penned from the hand of King David. Both written at a time in his life when he was tired, vulnerable, and felt abandoned by God. One, which Clinton read out to us, where he's crying out, pleading for help. And the other, where he's crying out in absolute declaration about the majesty of God. We're in the final week of our series uh, on the Psalms and the best way I felt to describe this this powerful collection of scriptures uh, is to quote author Jim George who says this, if you need a guide for your ongoing relationship with God, read the Psalms. If you need to know what to do with your life, whether you're crying out to God or whether you're praising God or you're anywhere in between on the journey, Jim George says this, read the Psalms. Because in 150 Psalms, some short, some long, it describes our journey. 
And the title of my message is Turn It Around. Turn It Around. It is good to be back. It is good to be back in the house. I've had a couple of weeks uh, off. I had one week of holidays. Pastors do get holidays as well. Um, we're entitled to one week a year. Thank you. The board is so generous to us. That's awesome. No, I'm only kidding. We had a week's holiday. And then last week, I had the uh, incredible opportunity to pastor up in uh, C3 Gold Coast, uh, a church called Limitless up there. And it was a fantastic uh, time. Uh, got to do a service on Saturday night, Sunday morning, and Sunday night, and then met with their board on Monday morning. So it was, um, it was a busy time. I was busy, busy working there. Um, I just felt, before I get into it, I just, I just can I get the youth leaders, uh, Sam and the team, to just run up here for a sec? Where is it? Emily, Josh, Promise. Who else is there? Bailey? Are they here? Where's all the girls? Will? Where's all our girls? Oh, they're out in kids. Oh, that didn't work so well, did it? <laughs> we also have four young girls as well. Where's, where's Josh? Oh, Josh is here. <laughs> huh? God, I'm going back on leave. See you later. <laughs> is Will here? Is he out in, in kids as well? Fantastic. See what happens? Our youth serve out in kids as well. Uh, come on this side, man. You're starting to freak me out a little bit. See, what I wanted to be able to show you guys is, is that uh, as a pastor, I can keep up with these guys here. If you look at them, each one of them has got their jeans rolled up at the bottom, right? Hey? Got the jeans rolled up at the bottom. Just saying. Just saying. That's not why I got them up here. That, there was... Uh, there was over 40 kids at youth on Friday night. There was over 40 young kids aged between 12 years and 16, 17 who were at youth here on Friday night. It's outstanding. The reason I say that is because if ever there is an opportunity to turn around lives, it is when there are young kids like that. If you are a parent of youth, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They are at school. They're starting part-time jobs. There is so much coming into their life that will tell them about situations, that they'll tell them how the world does things, that will tell them what is right and wrong as it relates to the world. And these three, including Will and four young girls who help out as well, have an opportunity to speak life into our kids every single week. And I can tell you some of the questions that they get, some of the situations they get, some of the attitudes they get from these kids can be pretty intense. But these guys are firm in their faith. They speak out a word of God and they are turning around the lives of our youth in this church. I believe that a church is healthy based on a number of key factors and one of them is when we've got a committed team of leaders who are prepared to speak life into our youth. And so I want to encourage you guys, a pity we haven't got the young girls up here as well, but if you see these three young Will as well and the four girls who are out there serving in our kids' ministry, I want you to get around them, say thank you to them, because these guys are turning around the lives of our youth. So well done, guys. Thank you.
We are creatures of habit. Uh, This is not made-up stuff. In fact, there was a paper released in 2007 that was endorsed by the American uh, Psychologist Association that used what was called a creature of habit scale. It's such a thing. It's such a thing as called a creature of habit scale. And what it does is it, based upon a self-reporting mechanism on 51 different uh, um, factors, I don't know, emotional type things that you do, but it measured a person's responses whenever they were asked to change the way that they do things or the way that they thought about things. And not surprisingly, the study found after doing 15,000 people that we don't like to change our patterns. And what it found even more is that we don't like to change our thoughts about ourselves and about others. In the scripture we just read, David is in a tough time. If you read through the Psalms, if you read through some of the Old Testament, you'll find that David uh, spent a lot of his time running from from, um, King Saul. He spent a lot of time hiding in caves. He spent a lot of his time when he was challenged to the core of who he was. And we we can read the Scriptures sometimes and think to ourselves that David is some sort of superhero, in January this year, we did a series on, on our favorite Bible superheroes. And we can, we can see David as a superhero because he's in the Word of God. But he was human. And he faced emotions. And, and, he, and he got angry. And he got depressed. And he got frustrated. And he cried out, as, as Clinton read to us, God, I'm sinking in this. Why me? Why me? He was already king when he penned these, it says in some of the commentaries. Yet still, so he had power. He had position. He was CEO of the company. He had people who could do things for him. Yet he's crying out, why me? I'm sinking. I'm up to my, my, my neck in it. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I am in deep waters. The floods are overwhelming me. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for God to help me. He says, those who hate me without cause outnumber the the hairs of my head. My enemies are trying to destroy me with lies, demanding that I give back what I didn't steal. And, And the thing is, is that we can be in situations like that all the time. Where we, where we put on our Sunday best and we come to church, but inside we're saying, God, why me? I'm sinking. I'm sinking. And one of the things that this study showed was that we can get stuck in this mindset of sinking. We can get stuck in this mindset of why me? And what ends up happening is, have you had those days where the first thing goes wrong? And then the second thing goes wrong? And then you don't get your car parked that you always get because it's your car park, right? And then it happens to me 
You go to make your first coffee at work. Things couldn't go any worse. And the milk is a week old. And it's chunky. And you just feel like saying, God, why me? It's like, is it God's fault that the milk was left in the fridge? Seriously? But we can have those times, and this study showed that what ends up happening is that we, we put ourselves into this, it's nearly into this self-reporting understanding that, that everything is against me. I'll get you, I'll, I reckon you could find that on those days when the milk is like yogurt, that's disgusting, isn't it? When you forgot to pick up the dry cleaning, when the kids are being absolute turds. They use that word on the Gold Coast, apparently. There is good things happening in your life as well. There is good things happening, but the trouble is, is that we become so focused on saying, God, why me, is that we can't actually see the good things happening. We can't see them in our lives. Because we're so used, we're creatures of habit, we've taught ourselves so much to focus on what's going to go wrong is that we can't see the good things that are happening in our lives. Today I want to focus not on a uh, psychologist study, although it was a good study, but I want to give us a number of biblical principles that are scattered throughout the Psalms that I believe no matter what situation we are facing, can help us turn it around like King David did. Because when he penned the second part that Sonaliso read to us, he was still getting chased. He was still living in a cave. He was still facing the same situations, yet he was able to, to speak out, praise the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does such wonderful things. Play, praise his glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Four biblical principles that I want to teach us today. Big John had been living on the streets of London for 10 years. Before that, he spent nine years in federal prison where he ruled the yard with a bad temper and a worse attitude. Big John was addicted to methadone and over time had lost most of his teeth. His nickname was representative of his physical size and was given to him not when he was in prison, but when he was a champion boxer representing the army. He became an officer. He had 35 bouts and was undefeated. His career projection was like this. Big John had a friend called Little John who believed the best in his big scary mate. Little John believed that no matter the history of the situation that he now found himself in, living on the streets, addicted to methadone, having a criminal record, that Big John could turn it around. Not just as a result of free meals that were given to him on the streets of London or a self-help program that, for ex-criminals, which were all good things. But little John felt that if Big John could see Jesus in the lives of others and, and could feel the presence of God in his own life, then his story wouldn't end in hopelessness. 
Little John, every week, would say to Big John, come along to church. To which Big John would say no. Time after time after time. And it would have been so easy for Little John to give up. Because in reality, Big John's focus is that he had given up on himself. You see, Big John once had a vision for his future. He had a great life. He was doing well in the army. He was strong. He was popular. In fact, we read that he was a bit of a ladies' man. But there was something missing in his life. And so when things got tough, as sometimes happens, Big John fell into a mindset of defeat. Big John started focusing on all the things that went wrong. For a start, it was his relationship. And then it was the relationship with his children. And then he wasn't doing as well in his army work that he had thought he had, should have been doing. He didn't get the promotions that he wanted. And for Big John, he focused on woe is me. And he writes in his autobiography that he just couldn't turn it around. And so very soon he was drinking heavily, which led to anger, brawling and crime. If Big John was writing poetry, you may have sounded a little like David did at the start of Psalm 69, where he cried out to God, my God, my God, come and save me. The floods have risen higher and higher. The water is up to my neck. I'm sinking in the mud and I'm about to drown in this storm. I want to say today, no matter where you are on your faith journey, I believe these four principles can help you. The first is this. Hang with your pride. Hang with your pride. Psalm 92.13 says that those who, that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. That when the storms come, and they will, people that the best place to be is with your pride. Not exhibiting pride, but hanging with your pride. Let's face it. Your sweet little tabby cat at home is a loner. Simple as that. I'm putting it out there. It's a proven fact. Your cat will just hang by itself. But there is one breed of the cat family that gets it right. Lions. Lions are actually not the best fighters. In fact, the honey badger is seen as the toughest animal. Not the guy on TV. Lions are not the quickest. The cheetah gets that one. And they're not even the smartest. Apparently, the chimpanzee gets that one. But get this, the lion stays in control because they understand there is power in their pride. If you go into a territory that is controlled by a pride of lions, which is what they're called, you're going to know it. You mess with one lion and you mess with the whole pride. Each one of them might be a different strength. Each one of them might be a different age. Each one of them might have a different skill. But there is something built into a lion is that when you you mess with one, you mess with the whole pride. A lion will sense when their mate is in trouble. 
and they will surround them and they will unleash fury on those who get in their way. The scriptures remind us that those who are in Christ Jesus are told to be as bold as lions. We are encouraged not to live in isolation, that we are in fact better together. There is something about when you are in a connect group with other people and something goes wrong in your life, that they can come alongside you and help you refocus from woe is me to let's praise God. And they're not condemning and judging you, but there is a power that is in the pride. There is something very special that happens when you walk in the door and you start hearing other people sing. I am a very good singer. You want to hear me on the car on the way in. I am good when I'm listening to myself. But there is something very special that happens when you come in here because you might be the worst singer, but when you're with your pride and you're glorifying God, he takes pleasure in that. And so you don't have to be a great singer. You just need to hang with your pride. Ecologists and farmers know that there is a strength in numbers. That's why trees are growing together. Because what happens under the ground, what happens in the foundation, is that the roots intermingle with each other. The roots get together with each other. What they're doing now in in tornado-based areas in the US is that they put trees in clumps together. Why? Because a single tree will be uprooted and will fly away. But when there's a clump of them together, underneath the ground, the foundations are so strong that they, they might tip over, but they won't do damage. And it's the same with us in church. Underneath, the foundations are strong. So you might be having a really miserable day. We've just started Alpha Parenting, which I'm so excited about. Because five or six couples get together and they can share together over an eight, nine, ten-week period course, whatever it is, and they can talk about the fact of, I'm struggling to deal with my 13-year-old boy. How do you do this? And together in a pride, you can work out ways and encourage each other. Jesus says that he inhabits the praises of his people where there's two or three gathered, that his presence there in our midst. It's almost like darkness has no choice. It's banished. Second point is this, take the first step. I didn't know we were singing that song this morning. Take the first step. If you want to turn it around, you have to take the first step. And for many, that is acknowledging exactly where you are. I am not in a great place. And that's okay. But it's about taking that first step. You see, little John wouldn't give up on big John. Little John kept asking. Little John kept saying, I will stand beside you. But the reality is that big John had to take the first step. Little John couldn't go to church or couldn't get help for him and say, it's okay, I've done it on your behalf, you'll be okay. Big John had to take the first step himself. 
In the Psalms that were read earlier, David shared his angst at what he felt was an injustice, yet it is like he's, he's in the middle of writing those words on the page or, or, or in the middle of having his rant at society, and he comes to the realization that if things are going to have to change, that they've got to change with him first. You see, others can say, man, your attitude needs to change. Your attitude stinks. Many times I've got my parenting wrong with my kids, where you'll just say to them, your attitude stinks, and then leave it at that. Where do they go with that? They know their attitude stinks. I'm just telling them. Where do they go with that? How about... I'm going to help walk alongside you and let's work out why you're in this space and then you need to take a step in order to try and improve where you're at. I might do the Alpha course. You see, what happened in between the passage that Clinton read and Sonalisa read was David who stepped up and took the first step. You see, straight afterwards, he says this in Psalm 69, verse 14. After he's had his little rant, he says, Rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Save me from those who hate me and pull me from these deep waters. Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the deep waters swallow me or the, or the pit of death devour me. Answer my prayers, O Lord. I am taking the first step. I am reaching out to you, Jesus, because your unfailing love is wonderful. Take care of me, for your mercy is plentiful. Don't hide from your servant when I'm in trouble. Answer me quickly, for I am in deep trouble. Come and redeem me. Free me from my enemies. You see, he had to, David had to take the first step. David had to recognize where he was and say, if I want to get to there, I've got to take the first step. It was reported that one night, little John said to big John, I will promise to walk the journey with you, but you've got to take the first step. Big John walked into Holy Trinity Brompton, where he was instantly surrounded by the pride, where he instantly felt loved, where on the first night he walked in, he gave his life to Jesus. He joined up to do Alpha. He started going to church. And on the final weekend of Alpha, Big John was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was healed from his addictions. In his autobiography, he says, over time, didn't happen straight away, over time he was reconciled with his mother and his daughter and now has a relationship with his grandchildren. But it took Big John to take the first step to believe, to believe, to believe that God could turn his life around. Psalm 30.11 says, God turns our wailing into dancing. He removes our sackcloths and he replaces it with joy. The third point is this. Know that you know that you know. Andy Stanley says, you don't have to understand everything to believe in something. Whether it was when I was trapped in a broken down helicopter in Saudi Arabia, 
where I was desperately trying to avoid the authorities and not knowing whether I would see my family again. Whether it was us going through what was a difficult transition into leading the church. Or even the times when I have frequently struggled with doubt whether I'm called to preach or to lead a church. I have to break out of my creature of habit, understanding, and go to the Scriptures. You see, what wasn't found in that creature of habit study was a remedy. All it did was talked about the results of 15,000 people who got stuck there. The Scriptures, the Psalms, are the remedy Psalm 139, 5 to 6, is a place I go to when I feel like I can't do this. Last weekend on the Gold Coast, yes, Craig Rochelle got to meet me. He's a lucky guy. I'm only kidding, people. Last weekend, they're in a challenging situation up there in the church. And flying up on the plane, I actually was thinking to myself, why am I doing this? What have I got to offer? What can I give to these people here? Because I started becoming central focused. I started becoming man focused. I started looking at what I could do and started going, no, actually, just be willing and available for what God wants to do. He's called you because he wants to call you. If he didn't want, he would have called somebody else. He's got everybody's number. And I found myself from Psalm 139, 5 and 6, and it says this. You go before me and you follow me. What a reassurance. You were already up on the Gold Coast before I got there. And you're coming behind me with a hand in the back to say, I've got you. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too too wonderful for me, too great. For this pinhead to understand. You see, when you start speaking that over it, you know that you know that you know that God has got you. The Bible says that even before you were born, God knew all of your future. Thanks, Steve. He said, your eyes saw my eyes unformed body, all the days for me were adorned, were, were ordained and were written in the book before one of them came to be. You see, from, from his perspective, God can see our past, our present and our future all at once. That's the brilliance of God. See, God can see where we've been, but God can see where we're going. That's the brilliance of God. But see, we need to know inside of ourselves, you need to know that you know that you know that God rescued you out of the storm and He has a place for you where you're going. And the last point is this. If you want to turn around the situation you find yourself in, You need to start giving Him the glory. In the beginning, God entered the darkness and displayed His turnaround nature. 
In the beginning, God spoke words that turned darkness into light. God spoke words that filled emptiness with fruitfulness. God's power brought order out of chaos. Our creator God turned the dust of the earth into breathtaking birds in the sky. God even took the rib of Adam and turned it into a helpmate. God revealed himself as humanity's turnaround. And ever since that moment, the enemy has sought to turn back what God turned around. Ever since that moment, the enemy has spent time trying to turn around what God did when he sent his son to die on the cross for us. You see, that was the greatest turnaround moment in history. Because what that turnaround moment did is it said humanity can be saved. The world can be saved. But we have to take the first step. We've got to receive that. We've got to step into that. John 10.10 says the enemy came to steal, kill and destroy what God came to heal, find and restore. In a moment, I'm going to finish with a song that Darlene Check has just released. It's called Forever My King. And the words say this, All I am longs for more of you, God. There is no one that will ever compare. Here I am, desperate in your presence. I can feel your power in this place. I'm abandoned to your love and I'm anchored to your hope. I'm yours and I will worship you. I will glory, I'll give you glory both now and forever. Why? Because you are my king. The key to turning around is to give God the glory. And there may be some who have come today who are feeling a little bit like Big John. Where although your circumstances mightn't be that you find yourself on the streets, but mentally, you're stuck. You're stuck. You're imprisoned in your own situations. Maybe you're imprisoned in your own success. Yet it was in those places that David, crying out in anguish, penned what I believe is one of the most important scriptures that he would ever write. You see, right in the middle of the passage that Clinton started with to what Sonaliso finished with was these words, but I keep praying to you, Lord. But despite my circumstances, Despite where I'm at, I will keep praying to you, my God. 
despite what is going to come at me, despite what I'm facing, I will keep praying to you, my Lord. Why? Because I know that you knew my, you know my future and you've been with me in my past. You see, the risk of our faith is not what we can do, but in our willingness to kneel at the feet of Jesus and believe what He can do in our situation. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes for just a moment, just where you're at. Because this is a tender moment between you and God. My prayer at the start was that God would speak to you right where you're at. And the reason we close our eyes is for a number of reasons. Firstly, so you can get connected with God. And secondly, because this is between you and God. It's not about anybody else. But I want to encourage that if you are seeking to have a turnaround in your life, no matter where you're at, I'm going to ask you in just one moment to raise your hand and say, God, I seek that turnaround. You may have accepted Christ into your life many years ago. Thank you, I can already see that hand. Thank you, I can see that hand. Thank you, I can see that hand. You may have already accepted Christ into your life. Keep those hands up, guys. Keep them up. This is your turnaround moment. Thank you, I can see those hands. Thank you for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3hobart.org.au.